Welcome everyone to Remembering Conference Cantatas. My name is Mike Livermore and with me is my good friend and co-host Elijah, I mean Sam Taylor. Sam, how are you doing today? Mike, I am excited to be here and I am not halting between two opinions when I say that. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Love the pun. And with us as a guest today, we have the piano player for this year and many years with us, Jared Walker. Jared, how you doing? Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Wonderful, Jared. From the very beginning, Sam and I thought it'd be a great idea to have you on the podcast. You're a longtime friend of the both of us, and all the years you played piano for conference, we had to get your say on this year's cantata. All right, so a few a quick notes before we get into this year, 2014. The results of the fan voting on the best songs for 2013 resulted in another tie. It was still even between all the songs. So <laughs> the result of the awards for 2013 is that in the beginning, the way to the tree of life and creator God are all just going to be tied. But there's a big three that year in terms of the songs. And also uh, this podcast will take a short break for a couple weeks due to some scheduling issues. So we hope to resume soon. Just there won't be a podcast for at least next week. But with that, though, let's get to 2014. Let's talk about this year, Elijah, because this cantata has got to be one of the best. I don't even know if it's correct to call it a cantata. I almost refer to it as Elijah the soundtrack. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's it's wonderful. The theme this year was Elijah. The, the camp slogan on the banner was how long halty between two opinions, as Sam's pun indicated. The theme verse was... First Kings chapter 18, verse 21, where Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. And so then the camp or the cantata this year was then entitled The Still Small Voice, also a big theme from Elijah. So what did you guys make of this year's cantata overall impressions as well as the, the camp this year in the study? This cantata, to me, it, it felt sort of like, I, I don't want to sound sacrilegious when I say this, but it's almost, it comes off in a way almost like a rock opera in the sense that it, 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 is, a, it is a musical that is unique in that it provides a very clear narrative of the prophet Elijah, you know, from his, you know, from his first words um, right up until his future work in the kingdom age. It's it's it providing that clear narrative gives you a a plot to kind of follow internally. It gives you some you know emotional investment as the story goes on. There's definitely some parts where it where the music is meant to reflect the music is meant to reflect the drama of the piece as well of the of the uh, of the story. So for me, I I maybe rock opera isn't the the strongest term for obvious reasons, but. Um, you know, so, sort of like a cantata opera of a sense, like a, a um, it's funny because uh, one thing I wanted to compare it to in a sense was Handel's Messiah because Handel's Messiah took musical pieces that had a clear narrative about the, the universal salvation offered through the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, funny enough, there was actually an Elijah, con um, there, there was, there was an Elijah, um, I, I don't know what the quite quite the right word for it is. So hang on a second here. It's an oratorio, is what it's called. the 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 right The right term that I'm talking about is called an oratorio. Um, Handel's Messiah 
and Eli- and the oratorio of Elijah by Felix Mendelssohn uh, was and was a was a series of arias and choral pieces that depicted the life of the prophet Elijah. So this, in a sense, I, I think the best way to phrase it, Mike, is that this is the first Christadelphian oratorio. I like that. I like that. All right, now, Jared, you're very much tied into the music world. You do concerts and you perform. What did you think musically about this cantata and how unique and different it was? Yeah, when I, when I first got the music, I remember, um, well, see, Daryl often, um, you know, will send me like, um, I often don't get all the music all at once. And so I get little pieces of it, you know, as it comes in. So I didn't really quite understand everything as it was coming through. But it started to make more sense, you know, as I got the music and um, the narrative part kind of stuck out more. Yeah, it's really a, a narrative. It's like I took the soundtrack yeah. of Elijah's life and the stories in First Kings. All right, so let, let's set the, the table of this year. So for the study, the workbook was written. Actually, there's a, a, an or, original workbook in 1995 on Elijah. And based on the forward of this year's workbook, 2014, it sounds like Andrew Hines took that workbook, updated it, added some things, and that became the study this year in 2014. So I'm curious, before we dig too deep into the cantata, if you guys have any memories or recall the study and the impact of Elijah's life and what things about the camp this year would affect the cantata as we listen to it. This workbook was an interesting one. Um, it, it was, Do tell. It, it was... <laughs> well, for one thing, I think it was, I think the Elijah workbook was actually the shortest one that I've ever completed. I don't think it it, it somewhere in the sixty page mark. Which, if you've been the Manitoulin Youth Conference, usually <laughs> they you know they 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 sometimes veer up into the hundreds in terms of page count. Um, I, I remember there were some very there were some peculiar sort of areas that that had a lot of focus that focus into discussions one part that i remember in particular and jared you might remember this um carl parry was the uh was the brother who offered the evening classes that year (laughs) one of the sections dealing with the widow of zarephath it went through the words used to describe the widow and the suggestion that came up in the 1995 uh, workbook that kind of made its way into this was this implication that the widow of Zarephath was actually a witch who practiced witchcraft. And yeah. Oh, that was, oh, that was really controversial. Yeah, that was extremely, yeah. that, that was, that had, all, there was a lot of heated debate and that day. Um, and, and there was a point where, where brother Carl during the wrap up session, you know, he says, she's not a witch. <laughs> she's not a witch. You know, he he had to he had to like boldly declare that just so that way there was no ambiguity, no controversy around it. But but you know, little bit there were these little snippets all throughout the camp where you could hear she was a witch, right? She was she was entirely a witch, <laughs> and and that, just one of those weird things. You know, it's it. I wish more of the study kind of resonated with me, something like more, uh, stuck with me, but. But that, that little section about dealing with the widow of Zarephath as someone who practiced witchcraft formally was really funny to me. That That's a wild story. That's crazy. Now, uh, true, true fact, I was at this youth conference for one day. I was there at the very beginning, the first day, and I was there at the end to pick someone up. But I wasn't there at all during the week. 
Do you guys have any memories of what the camp was like or any, you know, favorite stories or things that set this year apart? It's kind of funny because honestly, I think the cantata is like the most defining moment of the week by a long shot for me. Yeah. Like the, yeah. like the, like getting introduced to the songs and singing the songs and coming together with that. The building around the cantata seemed to really be a strong focus for the week this year. And I, I, again, just the narrative of the cantata lent itself to having to, to getting a lot of that devotion to it. I, I, I really enjoyed that. I remember the devotions throughout the week focused on, there's a lot of focus on the evening devotions on various pairings in scripture where like devotions would be focused, like, you know, cause Elijah had Elisha. So then there were focuses on Moses and Joshua, Ruth and Naomi, David and Jonathan, things of that nature. Um, I remember one by, uh, they're, they're by, by a brother from the UK that was on, I believe it was on Luke and Demas or Paul and Demas. It was a very interesting one. But yeah, a lot, a lot of focus on the dynamics of, you know, partnerships and not going in alone was a big focus for me. I was just going to say, I had to agree a lot with what Sam said when it comes to, you know, the focus being on um, the katana. I know for me personally, you know, a lot, a lot of time is spent, you know, practicing even, um, you know, kind of when, when I have a little bit of free time and, you know, maybe um, some people come and, um, ask me to play for them so they can learn the parts and stuff. So a lot, a lot of the memories I have really do have to do with, you know, the choir uh, pretty much for every single year. This was no different. Let's just jump right into the to the cantata then. So this year, the cantata had 15 tracks, eight songs and seven narrations, which is a little bit less than usual. But this year it was quality over quantity. It was so good this year. So as a testament to that, in my top 80 rankings, I have six of the songs, six wow. of the eight from this year make my top 80. You could even argue one more in there. And then five make my top 40, which is the most. No other cantata has five in my top 40. And one of these songs makes my top 10. So all the songs in my top 80 from this year are Give Us Strength, obviously, The Widow of Zarephath, The Still Small Voice, we beheld his glory, they will come, and Yahweh is God, follow him, the camp hymn. It was just an incredible lineup of songs, so deep, so interesting, so unique. Uh, there's a lot to talk about with this cantata. All right, so the director was Daryl Rose, the piano player was, of course, our guy Jared, and the narrator was Josh Hodge. And now we'll just discuss some of the composition of the song. So the, the composition this year was fascinating. This was probably the most interesting discussion on composition we're going to have because several of these camp hymns are sort of adapted from hymns in the hymn book. You can tell there's a lot of collaboration based on authorship here. So we have the opening song, The Prophet of the Lord. The, uh, the beginning part was composed by Daryl, the first portion of the song. But then the second half is, of course, inspired by hymn 238. And you have to listen to the song to understand that. Then Daryl also wrote the songs, Give Us Strength, They Will Come. He arranged, We Beheld His Glory, which is also heavily inspired by hymn 210. So it's fascinating how even, even the narration before that song incorporates the, 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 the music and lyrics of hymn 210. And then the song, The Widow of Zarephath, is also credited to Daryl, but seems to have been heavily helped or assisted by Levi Myers. 
And then that the trio of Levi, Chase, Snowblin, and Daryl wrote, does Bill not hear? The trio of Levi, Dave, Styles, and Daryl wrote, the still small voice. And the campaign, there was a collaboration between Levi, Chase, Daryl, and Dan Osborne. So there's all of these teams of songwriters. There's all of these yeah, hymn book themes being incorporated. It's a fascinating composition. So I'm curious, because you guys are much more musically adept than I am. You know, what was it like to sing or to play these songs where the, the songwriting is so fascinating? I know for me, it's almost like um, when, when I'm playing it, it's almost like have, if you have you ever like, like, you know, read a book or watched a movie and like got like goosebumps like at the end because it had such a like a um, what's the what's word the catharsis. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It actually it puts it puts a lot of pressure pressure on me because I really you know I I could tell when I started getting the music that you know Daryl had spent a lot of time putting this together and me as a piano player I want to be able to kind of put my best foot forward with learning with learning it out of all the years I've played this was probably the most challenging um, year to learn everything and luckily this year I got them a little bit earlier than some of the other years so I had a little bit more time but I feel I feel a lot of pressure while with it so. Well, I think you nailed it, my friend. We're going to discuss several great piano moments to come here shortly. Uh, Sam, anything from you as a singer? I appreciated how emotionally intelligent all of the composers are, all of the arrangers, because they seem to find the right voice for each song to properly convey the emotion. Um, one of my favorite moments in the entire cantata is actually just the first, uh, the first bit of um, the prophet of the Lord where it just comes in. There's no piano piece. There's no introduction. You get your starting note and then you start in with as Yahweh Elohim liveth. And from right the, from the get go, you know, right away that this cantata has found the voice of Elijah in so many of the varying emotional states that he had. And you see that all throughout. You you get his you get his brazen compo you know like defiance. You get his um, you know his brokenness. You get his solitude. Uh, you you there's so many areas in which you hear Elijah's you know inner turmoil expressed through the words and through the com uh, the composition of the pieces that and they all had their own differences. It, it, even though they all had a very similar route where most of them had, you know, Daryl's hands was on, you know, the vast majority, if not all of them, they all still managed to convey a unique voice, conveying a unique emotion. And as I listened to each one of these songs, you could pick out a song, a, a different song for each mood of life that you have from the Elijah Cantata. I think that part, that's part of why it hits so well is because it really conveys to all different stages of discipleship. Mm, that was fascinating, Sam. Yeah, it, the, the depth of emotion covered in this cantata really is amazing. And yet I find that I think it still works well as a praise program, so to speak. And even though it, it was so powerful for listeners, so there's that the horizontal effect, if you will, of the music. I think the vertical effect in terms of glorifying God by by really truly telling and expressing the story of Elijah in this really raw and honest way, I think would be very pleasing. I think it really is. It functions as an offering upward 
as well as a very encouraging and emotionally beneficial to the listeners that word as well. Uh, so let's get into our awards then, because there's this is going to be so difficult to discuss to make determinations here. Uh, best song at the time. So that you two are going to have to fight for this when I was not there, but I could see six, seven songs in contention for this one. Uh, Sam, why don't you start? What would be your pick for best song at the time? So I have two answers for this. And it's going to depend on the song that resonated with me the most and the song that I had to immerse myself in the most. The song I identified with the most that hit me in all the right ways was Give Us Strength. Give Us Strength to me when the first time I heard it, even when I heard just a demo track with, I believe it was just um, Hannah Colby, now Hodge and uh, Levi Myers. I believe they just did the demo. Even just listening to that, you could hear everything. You could hear all the parts come together and you knew that there was something special about this song, which I'll talk about later. But for me, the song that resonated with me the most in terms of what I what I identified with, Give Us Strength, hands down. Um, the song that I needed to immerse myself in the most, and, and for me, the best song because like I just had to be that song, uh, was Does Bail Not Hear. Yeah, explain, my friend. Um, so... I, uh, I remember approaching Daryl and asking him if, if, if he was okay with me trying to be, you know, trying, trying, not be, trying to, to sing the Elijah part. Uh, and the reason why I say this is because I, I had some familiarity uh, singing as Elijah. Um, back when I was in high school, I performed a solo piece from the previously aforementioned oratorio Elijah by Felix Mendelssohn. I had sung a, a song for an all-state audition called It Is Enough. Which, if you listen to it, it, that that song details the the despair that Elijah was in after the events of Mount Carmel. So I, I kind of I, I spent a long time, and even in my high school years, you know, thinking about Elijah. And I feel like a lot of people relate to Elijah, right? So um, I, I, I listened to the song. And I remember listening to Levi's performance, and I and I and I thought that I could kind of offer, you know, a, an interpretation of it that that allowed for that brazen sort of defiance that, that you hear in Elijah on Mount Carmel. And, and actually it's, it's funny because the, 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 the voice I tried to emulate the most is I tried to be like Jean Valjean from Les Miserables. Yes. I, I get, I get it. Yeah. Uh, I, just everything about the way that character is, is presented just felt like, if, if I sang it like the original Jean Valjean, Colin Wilkinson, if I sang it like him, I might be able to, you know, convey a little bit of the, of, of th- that, that boldness and that bravado, which again, I, I don't really carry that around with me naturally, but it was, but having, but singing that part and, you know, all the guys are singing around you and I'm not mic'd up. So, you know, when you're listening to that, there's, there's 20 guys that, or more, you know, singing around me and I have to kind of out, you know, I, I have to project louder than all of them. And I have to still, you know, balance, you know, one verse 20, it felt like a contest on Mount Carmel in a way because of that. But if I guess overall, if I had to say what was a song that w- was resonated with me the most, best song at the time, probably give us strength. But because I was so stuck, in, because I, I spent so much time and doesn't bail not here, it, it has to factor in some consideration. 
All right, Jared, what about you? I actually, you know, I was going to also say give us strength as well. I think for me, um, you know, for since, you know, what I'm playing, I'm obviously not singing it, but uh, one thing I really appreciated with this one was the attention that Daryl put to the piano part. Uh, The piano part is actually fairly, it was fairly challenging, uh, but I thought it really went well with the music. And I'm not saying like, you know, Sometimes, sometimes in, um, in choir music, a lot of times the piano part is kind of like um, kind of an afterthought. You know, you write the music first, you write the words and all that. And then, um, but I think when Daryl wrote this, I think he was also writing the piano accompaniment as well. And it shows. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I really, uh, this one really stands out to me. Okay, so it sounds like Give Us Strength is going to be the winner of that award. And and I would agree. I love that. It's it's in my top 10. Amazing, amazing song. And that leads us into the best song today, where I, again, there's a lot of picks, but I would probably still go with Give Us Strength. I, the, the way that that, we'll discuss this in the best moment, the way that that song resonates back and forth between soft, like the gentle appreciation of God, there's a still small voice, and like admitting that God's powerful, we can praise him loudly. It just the song just so much and has so much depth. So I would stick with that as the best song today. Yeah, I I'm with you on that, Mike. Give us strength for me is still the I could I could listen to that song every day and not get bored. It uh, the 2014 cantata is my most listened to. You know, my, on my commutes to and from work, I listen to it the most regularly. And give us strength is still the one I look forward to every time. I agree with that as well for sure. So what I'll do is I'm going to give a few uh, nominations, a few uh, condolence prize here. Uh, I would say if Give Us Strength is going to win the gold medal, the silver medal, I, you know, <laughs> something that, that's really risen to me in the rankings recently has been They Will Come. I love the way this cantata at the end, again, brought us to the Elijah's future work, the kingdom, you know, Elijah to bring the people back to God like that. I love the content of They Will Come. And then probably the widow of Zarephath would be my bronze medal winner. I love the female song this year. The women singers were spot on, top notch. Uh, many weeks ago, Dan Osborne actually wrote me an email and mentioned how he thought that the, the girls' song this year was just phenomenal. So the widow of Zarephath deserves a mention. So those are probably my top three. Give us strength. They will come. And then the widow of Zarephath. But I mean, you could argue for We Behold His Glory, for the camp hymn. For the still small voice, of course, the title song of the cantata. Uh, so many great songs. Which then leads us to best campfire song. All right, Sam. So I my initial thought is the camp hymn, but you're the guru here. What do you think is the best campfire song from this year? My only regret from the 2014 youth conference is that I did not get guitar chords for Give Us Strength because I, I'm going to throw out something which might be a bit of a wild op- opinion. This this could be something that you guys can feast on um, listening to this. I think Give Us Strength is at least as good as Crown of Rejoicing. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> wow, Sam. Wow. I think if, 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 I, if I had been able to put – if I if I had taken the time to like to transpose that to guitar, 
um, the the overall message, the the all the you know the soft parts, the loud parts, um, you know, just 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 the different emotions that are vying for dominance in the song. Plus, it's fairly short, and it ends on an emotional high note. Uh, I think this song with proper guitar chords could be the the 2010s version of Crown of Rejoicing. Wow. Yeah, I mean, maybe every 10 years, every decade, we get one really good one because, you know, 04 was when Crown of Rejoicing debuted. 2014 is when this song debuted. I think you're maybe onto something here, Sam. I mean, there's not too many words in the song. There's not too many too many things to memorize. And yeah, the song, it, it varies back from soft to loud. It really hits a lot of different emotions. It's It's got a lot of things you want to check off in the list of, of items on a great campfire song. Uh, but I'll turn it to you, Jared. I mean, you've been to conference you know, every year since. Ha, is Was this like the enduring campfire song or does the camp hymn still get a lot of play? Like when you're around the campfire, are there, are there any other songs from this year that are that, are, that merits singing around the campfire. Yeah, I would say, I, um, to answer your question, I don't think really, unfortunately, any of them really made it to the campfire. I could be wrong. Sam, you could you know, correct me if I'm wrong about that. No, the camp hymn didn't quite. Yeah. Uh, I And I think that might be due to future episodes that I, I, I didn't, it, you know, I, that I wasn't necessarily. It was, it was comfortable for me to play what I knew. And it was hard for me to. I'm I'm not very good at teaching people new songs. That's something I struggle with. And you've got to be good at being able to teach someone a song as well as get people excited about it to make us to make a song stick. Because that that's what you know the maestros of the 2000s were able to do. You know your Mike Robinson, your James Diliberto, your Steve McKay. They were able to teach people songs, and they were able to you know incorporate what was being sung into the campfire experience. I, I don't have that ability inherently. It's not something I, I was blessed with. So a lot of the great camp hymns from the, from those years didn't quite, you know, make it into the, the culture of conference, at least for right now, they haven't. I was going to answer that too. Um, if I remember correctly, the camp hymn, I think even on the youth conference website, there's actually not a. It's like the like um. It's not the choir's recording of it. It's the recording of like from the CD it came from or or whatnot. And if I remember that week, we spent so much. It took so long, even though like there was only uh, what was it like eight eight pieces all together. It took so long to record some of that, and we kind of the the campaign was kind of put off to the side a little bit until the very end. Um, and so I think you know throughout the week. There wasn't as much practice practicing the parts compared to it, so we weren't as comfortable with it. It's not just it's not just that it was put to the side. It's that when we did record, Daryl didn't hit record. Oh, okay. Well, we did that really quickly, though. We did it really quick. We we did. We went we through had, like, it. No I think time. It just, we went we through it in like one, one it, in in one take. Daryl yeah. was going to go through it, and then by the time he realized that it wasn't happening, the bell had rung. Crazy oh, yeah. Olympics was going on. Yeah. People had started to scatter. It was just like no chance to reconvene people back at that point. Yeah. Something else too with because um, Mike, you asked about you know with other um, other songs you know made it into like the campfire and stuff. I would say overall though this year since it was so um, a little more theatrical, a little more um, 
Les Mis like, you know, in some parts, you know, told a story. I don't think, I don't think um, the music in general lends itself to campfire songs. And I'm generalizing that though, as a statement. Yeah. Yeah. There's no like catchy little two minute song in this cantata. It's all very yeah. deep, you know, dramatic. Yeah. dramatic. Yeah. 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 Not songs you can sing around the campfire. But maybe Sam has, has hit on something though. Maybe give us strength. It just didn't catch on in that year and it then built momentum, but it could be done. If like a, a new campfire leader wanted to teach it, it could be a great campfire song. It has the potential. I do know that Daryl tried to, I can't, I don't know which, I cannot remember which year, but I do know Daryl um, tried to use Give Us Strength again in another cantata but we end up not having enough time to put it in there. So maybe in the future, maybe we'll come back. Okay. So, good to know. Yeah. All right. So then we come to best moment. Now I think there is a, a clear undisputed winner in this category, but it's strange because the, this song was not in my top 80. It's a very sort of a, it's again, like the cantata, very unique song where there's almost two halves to the song. And this is the song does bail not here. And to me, the moment is really there's a 1A and a 1B pair of moments here where you have the piano recreating the fire coming down, consuming the altar. And that's just where, Jared, your piano kicks in. And then the 1B moment is when the choir jumps in and they hearken back to the camp hymn and the camp hymn's theme comes out to close the song. It's an incredible end to the song. So I'm going to play that whole moment now for us. minute of that song unreal what an amazing experience to have been there in the pavilion to hear that all right so jared tell us what it was like to play that it's a, it's actually not as um difficult as it might sound uh, it's a you know the the part where you know the piano comes down so it's, it's it's a scale that you know comes down but the funny thing is i remember during the um actual performance of it i um kind of messed messed it up a little bit which is kind of funny, but it sounds fine on the recording. Well, I'm so glad they got it right for the recording. Yeah, I mean, I, the way that song just captures the story of First Kings 18, that, I mean, I have zero issue at all imagining the fire coming down during that piano part. And then when yeah. the, the Camp Hymns theme comes back in, and this is the song that would match the, the theme verse of the week, 
uh, such an epic moment. I, I, there's no other moment I think can compare to this song. It was it was incredible. So I'll, I'll offer uh, another silver medalist, a consolation prize for just you know the portions of Give Us Strength where the choir alternates between the soft and the loud to capture the, the extremes of what Elijah was going through and, and the, what the, the nation was enduring at the time. So here is the clip, a brief clip from Give Us Strength. I just, I just love. I, I've said it several times already. I love how that song goes up and down and back and forth and takes you on this whole gamut, the whole spectrum of emotion. Uh, beautifully written song. Do either of you have any other suggestions for best moments? Has to be the um, the bridge going into the final chorus of the still small voice. Mm. That that minute is phenomenal. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and prime that up here. Between how bold the bridge comes in and the dynamics that Daryl is able, and you know, Daryl is very talented in being able to get the choirs to pay attention to dynamics, the, the like volume and tempo, things of that nature. And just being able to go from that boldness from our God who holds the power to things both great and small. It just comes in so quietly, so delicately, um, and then going right into the bridge, the descant where that sopranos nail that high G. You know, there's there's not a bit of flatness on there. They're every bit on top of it. You know, Daryl in his last week's episode talked about you know avoiding certain uh, notes for the sopranos because of recording issues, but they hit that high G beautifully. And then you have. Uh, Hannah Elliott coming in with that solo at the end, the still small voice, just that one voice speaking, that one voice singing at the end. That is, uh, that is a phenomenal moment that for me, uh, you know, it goes toe to toe with the last minute of does bail not hear. 
uh, that that's my, I mean, if, if I have to give it a silver medal, it's, it's got some tints of gold in it. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's an incredible song. And the way it ends is it's just got a loveliness to it. Uh, so great recommendation, Sam. Yeah, there's probably 10 moments that listeners could think of that deserve recognition. It's such a deep cantata. I'm just going to say, I'm going to throw out a controversial statement here. This week will not have a deep V-neck cut because the entire cantata is too good. There is nothing in here that is too underrated for me to bring out and highlight. I can't, I can't, I, I tried going through it, trying to figure out one. But I couldn't bring up my deep V-neck moment. So for this week, the hipster abides. Well, Sam, if you're going to take off that mantle, I will put it on. I will be the Elisha to your Elijah because I have a deep cut in narrations. Oh. Let's talk about best line of narration. The narrations this year are on a whole different level. Whatever the production value was that they put into producing these narrations, it is phenomenal. I mean, I'm on the record that, you know, Chris Newth is my all-time favorite narrator. And I love Mike Robinson and Ryan Mutter. There were so many great narrations. But these narrations, the the work and the time put into them and the effects. So uh, before I get to my deep cut, I mean, I'll mention that if you listen to the narrations, that the background music that plays in all of these is fascinating. So the, the, the song before, I'm sorry, the narration before the, the Mount Carmel battle. So this would be track six toward Mount Carmel before Does Bail Not Here has this ominous sense. There's like some sort of stringed instruments that Daryl was using to produce them. It's something out of a horror film. It's fascinating. But then my deep cut is... The narration before uh, the song We Beheld as Glory, it's called in the, the track list Exodus Experiences. The entire background music for the narration is hymn 210. Like there, there is a hymn playing in the background before we get to the song, which was heavily adapted and inspired by that same hymn. Uh, it's it's it just it blew my mind when I heard it for the first time. So for those that don't know, hymn two ten is the hymn that opens. Oh master, it is good to be high on the mountain here with thee. And there's obviously a little section on Elijah there in the first verse, and like the the reach, you know, to go that far back into the hymn book, to go to the, the B side track of the hymn book and find this rare but great hymn, and bring it out and not just have a song be inspired by it. But to also mix it into a narration, I I love it. I think it was the most bold and genius move in narration history this far in the cantatas. But this though would be my best line of narration. So that that was my deep cut. But here is my actual nominee for the best line of narration. It comes from the very last narration, where referring to the future work and Elijah and the, the arrival of the kingdom. We have this narration where the camp hymn is playing in the background. And I'm going to actually play the clip with Josh Hodge here. But the time came when Elijah would be taken away in a whirlwind. And in a great manifestation of divine glory, with earthquake, wind, and fire, Elijah was removed from the scene. 
the time is soon coming when earthquake, wind and fire will again be poured out upon the world at the return of Christ. For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. Such a powerful line that you know the Lord is going to come again and there'll be another demonstration of power. I think it was a great line to close the cantata with. And I just love having the, the camp hymn playing in the back there. It's, it's a great, great narration. And all of these narrations were phenomenal this year. Uh, so any suggestions from you two? I would actually have to say that the first narration right from the get-go was awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I think to your point, Mike, you had to have, you know, for a cantata and a story that flows so wonderfully, you've really got to have your A game on your narrations. If you're not going to start the, you're going to start the cantata with a song and then you're going to offer your, your commentary on it, which goes completely against the way most of the other cantatas have run. They usually go introduction piece, then, you know, the, the like introduction narration, and then the first song. Uh, this one goes right into as Yahweh Elohim liveth. And it's narration one that for me uh, resonates as the best narration. And I'm going to read from the last paragraph from, and I'm so glad I was able to find this. I actually have my, my choral book from 2014. Uh, here's the first narration. It is all too easy to become complacent with the world around us and choose not to stand apart and be different. But may we resolve to follow the examples of Elijah and Obadiah, that when we feel as if we stand alone against the world, it may be our prayer that our Heavenly Father will give us the strength to glorify His name in us. Mm, that's good. It's really good. And of course, it leads into, you know, my favorite song from this cantata. So it, it just... Perfect. And that seems to really have picked up the the main lesson of Elijah, really, like to, to pick a side, right? Like that really speaks to what the camp was all about, to, to choose God. Okay, let's get to wild opinion. Now I'll go first, because mine, I think, was already sort of hinted at by Jared here, that I, I guess I get the explanation, the reason why the camp hymn, there was a recording, you know, malfunction, We've experienced that pain here on this podcast of the, the man in charge forgetting to press record, <laughs> and we, we dealt with it, thankfully. But uh, can, is there any way we could get a choir at conference to sing the campaign and just record it and put it on the website? Let's get a choral version, not just like the practice tracks. Mike, I was going to save this. I, I, was, I, was going, I was going to save this for the legacy of the of the cantata do you know that in cardiff that a sister from the uk led an entire presentation of the elijah cantata in cardiff wales oh that's cool wow and there there is um there there's a uh you know i i'm not the you know i'm not the only elijah there is uh brother jamie brown from the uk he married uh, the united states own lydia hewitson uh, Jamie Brown was the Elijah for that uh, Cardiff cantata. 
And somewhere out there, I, I've I've heard I've heard uh, inklings that there is a sister in the UK who uh, who uh, conducted this uh, choir. I've heard rumors that there is a a choir recording of the entire cantata. Um, so I, I think I think it does exist somewhere. There is a there is it is not the Manitoulin Youth Conference con- choir, but it, there is a choir that sang this cantata. And love the songs like we do, and it exists out there. Well, let's get it. I, I mean, like this this camp him, like it was really good. Like I I love the practice tracks. Like this had the potential to be a fantastic camp him. And I'm curious if what you guys thought of it throughout the week, if it was a big hit around the campfire that week. But I would love to hear like an actual choir sing it. Absolutely. Um as far as Sam was saying about your, you know, you, you Mike saying, you know, if we can record it again, uh, I just, you know, the time is so limited, you know, at youth conference, I'm not sure if, you know, that would be a possibility, but certainly maybe, I mean, make it happen, Jared, make it happen. Uh, I've, I've made mention to this already that, that the composer Felix Mendelssohn, and for those of you who, if, if you guys are, if, if there's any extreme, uh, composer nerds out there, you're familiar with who Felix Mendelssohn is. Um, for for those of you in, in the layman's terms, Felix Mendelssohn is the composer who wrote the uh, the famous line of music that you hear from people leaving a church. The one goes dun 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 dun. That's Felix Mendelssohn. Felix Mendelssohn wrote that piece. He was uh, he he wrote music during the Romantic era. He came a couple hundred years after um, after handle but he still uh you know did similar oratorios in in that style uh, and i've made mention to him already a couple of times here my wild opinion is i would have loved the last song from the oratorio um from elijah to be incorporated into the uh in into the cantata this year. it's a four it's a four-part choir piece I sang it in my senior year of high school. Um, I was I was 18 years old when I had that music in front of me and sang it. Um, I remember singing it from memory at that time. Uh, I, I think that was a that song was a beautiful piece that really tied into the you know not just to Elijah's future work but God's overarching presence in the entire narrative of Elijah. Um, you know, that, you know, no matter what was happening, no matter how far Israel had fallen into apostasy, that God was not slumbering nor sleeping, but his eye was open and affixed on his people the whole time. And that, that also that concept of, you know, you know, shouldst thou walking in grief languish, he will quicken thee that, you know, even though you're in despair and you're, you feel like you're at death's door, that God will 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 make you alive again he will quicken you with his spirit all of that just i thought it was absolutely gorgeous and i think i i think it's a piece that you know would it require practice yes but it's it's something that i think could possibly be you know incorporated into a similar uh cantata if it was if, if another elijah appears another day i i would say it as a worthy consideration if you're looking to pad the time with another song that's interesting. I didn't know that song even existed. I'll have to check it out. Okay, so let's come now to the lessons of this cantata. Mine is a bit off the wall, probably because I wasn't there to do this study on Elijah, 
So I'm curious if either of you have a number one lesson that sticks with you when you listen to this cantata from the, the story of Elijah. I just like the shift in pronouns that happens over the course of the cantata. Because the very first line of the cantata, the very first line of the prophet of the Lord is, as Yahweh Elohim liveth before whom I stand in give us strength. It's, am I the only one who cares? Am I the only one who dares to worship? Not the works of his own hands, but to worship thee instead of man. And you, you listen to this, I, I, I. And that's very indicative, isn't it, of, of, of the way Elijah thought. And it's present throughout the narrative that even though he was, you know, he was talking to other prophets, like he was talking to Obadiah along the way. And he's still dealing with this very, like, I'm the only one. I'm, I, I have to go Lone Ranger on this whole thing. Uh, but then, you know, there's that still small voice, you know, and, and the, of course, the choir and that is, you know, although it seems all that's left is us, you know, it's, it, it changes, you know, you listen to this change in pronouns. It, be, it starts going from I and it starts becoming to, and it, and it even comes to we beheld his glory and they will come. You know, it's it's a collaborative effort, and that's life in the truth. You know, we it's all too easy to be stuck in the present, dealing with your trials, feeling like you're slogging through it by yourself, that you're going solo. But as God told Elijah, there are 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. You know, there are so many other people who are fighting the good fight. You know, they might not be fighting right alongside you. They may not know your battles. But they are fighting. They are striving to endure. They are striving for the prize of the high calling in Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we've got to be attentive and mindful that there are brothers and sisters are working alongside us, and we need to be able to rely on each other and and you know say give us strength to to make to, to realize that we 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 all need God's strength. But it's not just to me alone. But it's to you know, all of us in Ecclesia, that we can all, you know, have God's word work in us and through us for his pleasure. Absolutely. We are never alone. Embrace the family of God, because there were still 7,000 in Elijah that had not bowed the knee to Baal. Yeah, great, great lesson for us to always uh, look to our brothers and sisters in the Ecclesia for support and and to praise and work together for our God as, as a body. I cannot agree more with you, Sam. For me, mine's a little bit off the wall. Just as a listener of the cantata, what struck me, and again, maybe it's just my, my interpretation, in so many of these songs, they take us through this dramatic scale of emotions from loud and powerful and forceful to soft and delicate and tender. And it's in almost every single track where there'll be a, a loud, dramatic moment. There'll also be this delicate light moment that picks us up. And I wonder if it was probably not deliberate by all the songwriters, but nonetheless gives gives me this appreciation for the goodness and severity of God as I listen to the entirety of the album all at once. And this I'm sure would have been that the lesson of the still small voice that God can be seen in earthquake, wind and fire, and God can be evident in all of the many current events and signs of the times and all the chaos around us. We can see that God is in control of the world and we can see all these big things and read about all these big miracles. 
but yet God also has a very tender, caring relationship with each one of us and speaks to us on an intimate level. And we can hear his voice and we can, by faith, see the angels that are working with us every day. And I think this cantata just makes me think of that relationship that we have with God and his character, that he is both good and severe. And so being on the right side of God and a good relationship with him is so critical. You don't want to be in Ahab's position. You don't want to have, you know, a the will of God being against you, destroying your prophets. You want to be with Elijah. You want to be on God's side. So that's what strikes me as the lesson of this cantata. And so now we come to the legacy. And the legacy of this cantata, for me, it's got to be just how revolutionary of an approach this this cantata took, where it doesn't even feel right to call it a cantata. It's it's sort of like a, a different thing. It isn't quite a musical, but it's got something else. And I haven't, can't recall if, if any cantata since has been quite this style, but this cantata stands out for bringing a different approach, which was very effective, but a, a new, sort of a new spin on the choir program this year. Now, any legacies from you guys from the, this cantata? I think it would have to be the one I referred to, which is that there are other brothers and sisters throughout the world listening to these recordings and thinking to themselves, you know, this would be a great cantata to present at the end of our own Bible school, at the end of our own, you know, week of praise and reflection and study and fellowship around God's word. Uh, I, I think this was a powerful reminder hearing that, you know, brothers and sisters over, you know, over in, in, in Cardiff, Wales, 3,000 miles away from Manitoulin Island, put together the same cantata and these same, you know, got to experience similar emotions of being in the choir and learning the songs and having those messages relate to them as they poured over the words day after day. I, I think that really resonates with me that, that these, that these, um, these cantatas are, they can be living, breathing things. It's not just something you can listen to. It's something that you can interact with. It's something that you can, you know, present to your, you know, as, as a, you know, maybe you'll be a choral conductor and play it at a Bible school. Maybe you're leading a meditation and you think, a you know, one song would work really well for meditative purposes. Um, I, I think it's a beautiful thing that brothers and sisters throughout the world are, are picking up the ball, as it were, and taking what's already been established and running with it to further the message of giving glory to God in all they do. So this that was, for me, the big legacy of this cantata. That's beautiful. Jared, does this cantata stick out with you? Do you have any legacies from it? Or what, what, is, what goes through your head when you listen to it now years later? I think the amazing thing about it is it works. You know, they're all great individual songs, but it works even greater as, you know, a one whole actual you know, complete peace. And I think that's what kind of Sam was getting at when he was saying that, you know, that is the legacy of it. Um, and I think one thing too, I think this, um, this topic, this story of, of Elijah lends so well to that um, with the, with the narr narrative um, direction that it goes and who knows, maybe in the future, there'll be other, you know, other topics that might really lend well to this style of a cantata. So we'll see. Jared, was this your favorite cantata that you've played, or were there others that would top it? Absolutely. This is my favorite, for sure. Nice. Yeah. Nice. 
Um, so, J- Jared, I, I actually want to take this moment now to ask you a question that I've been trying to factor into other episodes. Um, what was your favorite section to play on the piano, being the pianist ooh. for this cantata? Ooh, I would have to say for sure um, the Widow Zarephath, actually. Um, par- partially because the, the funny thing with that with me is like, that was actually, I was looking back at my e- emails from Daryl. That was actually one of the first ones that he gave me, but I kept putting that one off to practice it because um, it was written in a really awkward key. And I just, I was kind of getting lazy. I didn't really feel like doing it. But um, so what ended up happening was really, I was really learning that one as we were practicing it that week. And so I was really nervous playing it, but um, I, for, for sure, as with human strength, I also appreciated the, the attention to detail that, um, Daryl put into that piece. Um, it's just an overall, just solid song. I think it's just, it's really good. It gets to the point. Um, it's, it's just really, it's really beautiful. Yeah. I, I personally appreciated the, the introduction to give us strength, I think really set the stage for the song just very well. It, it kind of started off in that minor key and then transitioned to a major key, which allowed for the song to, you know, set its, set its feet sort of in that melancholy brooding yeah. sort of, sort of place. But then it lifts itself into B flat major, which is this, you know, it's, it's a concert key. It's a very l- uplifting universal key that people can get behind. You know, even if you've only done play, you know, even if you only played the saxophone in your fourth grade band, you know, everybody's tuned to the key of B flat. It's kind of a, you know, it's, it's what a lot of instrumentalists will hone themselves to. And it, it's a great song for me. It's sort of a subliminal, you know, refocus, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, me getting in tune is me thinking about how I need God to be my rock and my high tower that he might give me strength. That, that, that for me is like me aligning myself with the father. And, and it, it kind of works out really well that it's in that concert key of B-flat. So I want to ask you a question. And I ask this in all sincerity as a friend. How much do you really associate yourself with Elijah? Do you really, can you put yourself in Elijah's shoes? Because if someone asked me, who is the most Elijah-like person you know? I would pick you. How much did, 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 did the character of Elijah resonate with you? I can relate with Elijah a lot, not because I'm a particularly strong disciple, but because I go through some pretty dramatic mood swings. Um, and I'm not afraid of saying this and, and definitely feel free to keep this in, in the episode. I think it's important. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm on medication for depression and anxiety. Um, when I feel, I feel strongly, I look at Elijah and sometimes he's the most real person in the Bible to me because that's a man who, like, you read him as like, wow, he just, he gets despair. Like, he is, he, you know, like, when he's saying, it's enough, Lord, take my life or I'm not better than my father's. How many times have I said in my, you know, I, I think to myself, how many times have I said, you know, this is enough, just end it already. Just, you know, I'm I'm no better than anybody else out there. You know, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this calling. It's enough. This, this, I've, I've had it. That, that for me, it's, it's, I don't read that as just words on a page. That's, that's, that's inscribed on my heart. There might be moments where, you know, I, I might 
have Elijah's boldness. Maybe I do feel a little stronger than usual, but his pits of despair and being stubbornly unaware of his support network that God's provided them is, well, that's, that's me too. I mean, I've, I plod through things alone. I, I brood and I sit here in my house by myself and I've got you and I've got lots of other friends that are there for me. And, and I put that aside because I'd rather, you know, I, I get stuck in the, in the pit of despair. So I, I relate to Elijah a lot. Uh, more for his weaknesses than his strengths. Yeah, that, that's why Moses resonates with me so much. I think I share a lot of the same weaknesses he had. That's why he's my favorite character. It is great to have one Bible character who's like who's like your character, like he's your guy. And I can see that being Elijah for you as Moses is for me. This may go without saying, but perhaps I do need to say it. This this isn't my favorite cantata because I got a solo in it. I... I, I <laughs> I can't, I can't stand to listen to "Does Bail Not Hear" because I, I, I can't stay, I can't stand to hear the sound of my own voice. Um, but I will listen to "Give Us Strength" every day of the week if you let me. Uh, just, just the quality of the songs overall. It just, it just so happened that I, I happened to be in the right place at the right time, and Daryl decided that, hey, you know, he said he said he'd be willing to help, so he works, and I, and and that's fine, and. And, and Sam, in my analysis, I don't think you were given the solo because you have the best voice. I mean, I think it's no doubt Levi is a better voice than you. Oh, yeah. Chase Snowballin, who didn't get enough uh, love in the last podcast. Like those guys have better tenor, beautiful tenor voices. But I think your voice matches like like the strain, like like the you, know, you just have this sense of like being Elijah, like you, you're you in the battle. There was something like, unique to you. And this character that I think is a match, it wasn't about who has the best voice. It was about who is most like Elijah. I, that's just my, my outside opinion on it. Yeah. And I, and by no means do I want to like, I'm not, I, I mean, and absolutely there are so many wonderful talent and, and by no, I mean, again, I just, I, 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 I don't want to present the notion that, you know, that I hold myself on any kind of pedestal because if anything, Elijah's weaknesses are my weaknesses. And if anyone knows me as a person, you know, um, once things start going awry in my life, I'm a hot mess. And, and that's Elijah. Yeah. You captured his essence. Uh, Jared, any final thoughts from you? I just feel really fortunate that I really was a part of this year. Cause I, I feel like that, um, you know, you, you know, we've been talking about for, you know, the last hour and, you know, other people that I've talked about, and it talked with our part of that year, I mean, seem to uh, by far agree that this is one of the um, most um, uplifting, well thought out, uh, well put together cantatas that, you know, we've, we've had in the past recent years. And it's, it's, I'm very thankful to be a part of it for sure. Well, we were very thankful that you were able to play and help lead in that sense. I don't know what they would have done without you, Jared. So thank you very much to you and to all those that helped. It is, it's an incredible, incredible program or soundtrack or cantata, whatever term you want to give it. It is a hundred percent worth listening to. And you said this earlier, Jared, that the, the whole, the whole cantata together is greater than the sum of the parts. Like some of these songs don't work as well on their own, but together it's, it's beautiful. So highly recommend it to everyone to listen to this, to, to pick you up, to praise God, to think about what God can do for us in difficult times. Uh, it's hundred percent worth it. So I thank you gentlemen for joining me once again. Thank you for being on our, our podcast today. 
Let's go out then by singing together the, the big hit from this year, Give Us Strength.